Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning to worship. We've been looking at the stars in this message series. Uh, we're looking at the stars and considering God and how through Scripture He uses stars several times to communicate some important truths. Last week we looked at how the stars themselves tell us something about God's existence, His identity, His character. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. God is speaking to us through the heavens, through the, the stars. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. This, this week, we're looking at how the stars are symbols of God's promise and purpose. So last week, how they show us something about God. And this week, how they're symbols of His promise and purpose for our lives. When you decide to follow Christ, when you turn from going your own way, decide to follow Him, you become a, a part of something that's much bigger than yourself. Your, your life takes on meaning beyond the immediate. And God's purpose plays out moment by moment, opportunity by opportunity. But boy, our lives take on a bigger, a bigger purpose. In the New Testament, it's interesting. Paul, whom, whom God had write a whole bunch of the New Testament, he uses, he quotes Psalm 19.4 in, in connection with a Christ follower's role in the world to tell others about Christ, to help them come to know Christ as well. This is our role. We, we ourselves are going to, we're supposed to shine like stars in, in the world that we live in. And we'll look more at that next week. But this is what Paul said, Romans 10. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. That's a direct quote from Psalm 19 that we looked at last week. Uh, we, we looked at how the stars remind us of who God is, that God's creation draws us to worship Him, to honor Him. This week, we're going to see how the stars, just by their sheer number, there, there are more and more and more Stars. I, I found out this week, I was doing some reading and about how uh, we've discovered that there's another set of stars out there that like quadrupled the number that we knew about in, in the universe. So it's just an incredible amount of stars that there are. And they're to remind us, we're going to find out, they remind us that we're a part of something much larger than ourselves, something that goes beyond our lives our city, even our generation. We need these reminders because it's easy to lose sight of your purpose. I, I mean, with me, I, I have been to the store to pick something up for my wife, Cindy, several times. I get there and I cannot remember what it was. I've learned through the years to write it down, to take a list, but sometimes I think, well, I've got that. I've got it locked. No problem. I won't forget that. I'm wandering around the aisles. Oh, Lord, please remind me of what this is. It was really bad in the days without cell phones. It's bad when you can't get her to pick up the cell phone or the phone or when she's busy doing something else that I can't be reminded by her. But the, 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 
it's it's very easy. It doesn't seem sometimes you you get into like a, a meeting like this, a gathering, a worship service, and you hear God speak, and it's crystal clear what He wants you to do with your life. Crystal clear. And then you begin to go on and and you live life, and the memory of why you're living and why you exist begins to fade. And that's what we're going to deal with today. What, what do we do? What, how do we handle it when we begin to lose sight of our purpose in life? God gave Abraham, and we're going to look at his life a little today. When he was 75 years old, God gave Abraham, uh, early on in the Old Testament, a promise. And it, it, in this promise, we see God's purpose for his life. Genesis 12 says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God always blesses us so that we'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God also has the entire earth on his heart. He blesses people to be a blessing. He's always thinking about the entire world as he works in our lives. Abraham was 75 years old when he received this promise. Interesting thing, he had no children. 75, way beyond his childbearing years, had no children. And so this promise didn't look very promising. How is God going to make a great nation through him unless he has some children? He and his wife Sarah were well beyond uh, the childbearing years. Looking back, James says in the New Testament, looking back at what happened there in, in this promise, James says Abraham believed God and he was called God's friend. This, this turns out faith. It turns out that faith is the way into a right relationship with God. And it's key to being used in life for God's purpose. This is the key. Responding to God's command in faith is the way that Abraham would fulfill God's purpose in his life, and it's the same with us. He was called God's friend. He got into a right relationship with God because he put his faith, his trust, in the living God. This promise was given. The promise was given to fulfill a purpose, God's purpose in Abraham's life, in his lifetime and beyond his lifetime. Have you ever dropped a jar of salsa or something out of the pantry, out of the fridge, and as it's falling? For me, I've done this. I did this one time with a big jar of Prego spaghetti sauce. And as it's falling, it's in slow motion, and you, and, you, know, you don't have a ton of time as it's falling, but... It's, it's, you can just see what's going to happen, and then it happens, and it's all over the place. And, and, you know, I did this one time, big, giant jar of spaghetti sauce. And I was finding spaghetti sauce in places I didn't realize it was for, for weeks. Like, oh, my goodness, there's another splatter I didn't, I didn't catch. Imagine how God felt. He created the world. Think of how he felt when... Sin made a mess of God's creation. Just like it, when that jar is falling, it's in slow motion. You, you anticipate what's going to happen. You can't, you can't stop it. God knew when he made the first man and woman, 
he he anticipated what was going to happen. He he decided not to stop it. He decided not to stop the mess that would be made if man and woman chose with the will he gave them to choose to go their own way, and they did. Every one of us has put our stamp of approval on what they decided to do, and we've gone our own way as well. Imagine how God felt. He created the sun, the moon, the stars on the fourth day. We looked at that last week. And then on the sixth day, man and then woman. And they were the crown of his creation. They were made, and we were made, therefore, in the image of God to reflect him. There's, there's a bunch about us that reflects God. We aren't God. We aren't exactly like him, but we reflect him. We're reflections of him. Imagine how he felt. When the man and woman that he made, he made us to love us, and we rejected him. We, de- we decided not to glorify him, not to follow his way, and try to do things on our own. Everything was tainted at this point. It was, the world became a mess, and that's part of why it's the way it is today. We live in, in, in a mess to a certain extent because we decided to go our own way. At that moment, as we'll say, as the jar was falling, (laughs) as man and woman were deciding to go their own way, God already had a plan. He had anticipated this. He gave us the will to choose, but he already had a plan to clean up the mess that we'd make. He promised to make a way in Genesis 3, and this promise to Abraham was picking up the promise that he made early on. This was Abraham was a part of God's plan to redeem the world through a nation, not through an existing nation, not through an existing people, but by forming a new people altogether. Abraham was a part of the plan. He was going to make this new nation uh, out of one man. He decided to start with an individual, Abraham. He would establish a covenant, an agreement with this one man, whose offspring would multiply and in time become heirs of the covenant, the agreement of, of, that God made with Abram at the time. So God selected Abraham, Abram, not just any man. He changed his name, Abram, to Abraham. Uh, but he was an old man. He was in his 70s when he got this promise. To complicate things further, he had no children. She, his wife Sarah was barren. Uh, not exactly the place to launch this nation. So one day, God, God called to Abraham and told him his plan, the promise I read above, to make him into a great nation, a nation that would be blessed by God and used to bless all people through the earth. And he asked Abraham to leave his country, to leave his home, and to go to the land he was going to show him that he would give his descendants later on. So Abraham obeys, he packs up his family, his belongings, and he starts wandering through the desert. He became very wealthy, a very wealthy man as he wandered through the desert, as he was going to the land that God would lead him to. Years go by, and he lives as a nomad in tents, not laying down roots. Uh, he, he faced constant danger, especially since he was wealthy. And envied by those around, he, he faced danger. His nephew Lot at one point 
uh, and Lot's wives and children and possessions were taken captive during a war of some kings. And Abram took a bunch of his men in the hundreds and rescued Lot, his nephew, and brought him back to safety. And at this point, Abram is just tired. He's been wandering. He's an older man. Still doesn't have any children. About ten years after the original promise, he's, he's still kind of he's weary. He is very worn down. After several brushes with danger, still childless, about ten years later, Abram lost sight of God's promise and purpose. And so God comes to him and, and speaks with him. This is what he says in Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord. In other words, I know God. You're in control. You are God. You can do what you want. What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? In other words, one of my servants is going to inherit my estate because I don't have any children. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, the man, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. So here we are, 10 or 11 years after the original promise, Abraham still has no children. He had become incredibly wealthy as he wandered through the land. God promised him, but had no descendants. He was wearing down, discouraged, and couldn't figure out how God was going to pull this off. Have you ever been in a spot where you can't, you know what it looks like God wants, and you sense his purpose, and you're not quite sure how he's going to pull this off? It seems like he's taking a lot longer than you would. <laughs> it's just he's taking, this whole thing is just taking, it's taking a lot longer. God points to the stars as a reminder of his plan and purpose. Genesis 15. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. There are actually hundreds of billions of stars in each of the hundreds of billions of galaxies. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Interesting. He's about 85 or 86 at this point, still has no children. You're going to have a lot of kids, Abram. You are. He, God uses the stars to illustrate to Abram just how significant his life and legacy would be. In other words, God says, I am making you a part of something huge. It will go well beyond your lifetime. You're a part of something much bigger than yourself. And in spite of the fact that he and Sarah weren't getting any younger and their biological clock maybe had exploded, maybe it was a time bomb. I mean, at 86, are you thinking about having children? Probably not. They're, they're, they're working through this. So the biological alarm clock had blown up, and he's trust God. Genesis 15:6. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And in this statement, we find out something important about relating to God. Faith is credited as righteousness. It turns out that faith is the way that we relate to God. We get into a right relationship 
not by doing everything right. We've already missed our chance on that. We've missed the opportunity to do everything right. Every one of us have gone our own way. But we get right with God. We get things straightened out with God by trusting Him. So fast forward about 15 more years or so, when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90, after an attempt to, they had a couple of things go on during those years where they were trying to help God fulfill his promise to them, and won't go into that, it's another whole story. After, after 25 years from the original promise, God blesses them with a son. They name him Isaac. And then there is an incredible twist that takes place. God gives Abraham a a supreme test of faith, and Abraham passes this major test of faith. Abraham's life to this point was marked with an extraordinary amount of faith. He trusted God fully. And there was nothing now more precious to Abraham on the earth than his son Isaac, the one through whom God was going to fulfill his promise. And now God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. This was a common practice among the peoples of the day. And so I guess Abraham thinking, okay, well, I'll do that if that's what you're saying, God. We're enjoying some time with our grandson this week. My son Thad and his wife Gina and Blake, my grandson, are in town. And I, I'm, so I'm experiencing grandparent things for the first time, you know, I never have. But, but when I hold Blake up and I see him smile, there's, there's something that goes on inside. And I, 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 I really, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this. You have to forgive me if, if it seems like I am. But when I hold him up and I see him smile, I see the future in that smile. There is a tremendous amount of promise in this young man. And in the young children that are part of CIV, as you, as you look at the lives of the young ones, you see the future. You see the promise, the next generation. And you see all that could be. There are no guarantees for anyone or in anyone's life. But boy, when you, when you see the children, you're able to get around them and enjoy them. You see the smiles. You see what could be. You see the promise in the kids. You see what's going on. And at my age, I look at my grandson differently than I did my own children because I was buried in life when I was younger and I didn't see the big picture. But can you imagine, and I can sort of imagine, Abram has this son, Isaac, he's grown to, he's probably somewhere between 8 and 12, and this is this is the joy of his life, and God asked him to sacrifice his son. How do you respond when you're in a situation and you sense God wants you to accomplish something, he wants you to fulfill his purpose, and then there's an obstacle that blocks it. There's something that shows up that blocks that purpose. How do you respond? Where do you put your confidence? In whom do you put your trust? This is one of God's ways. In this story of Abraham, we're learning something about God himself. This is one of God's ways. He gives purpose. He gives us a picture. He even gives us a calling, something to do with our lives. 
And as we set out about to do it, there's almost always an obstacle. It seems insurmountable. And that is a test. And he waits to watch to see what we're going to do with that. What are we going to do with this test? Are we going to trust him with it? Are we going to die? God, I thought that's what you wanted me to do. And if if this isn't it, I give it all to you. I lay it before you. I trust you with this. I'm going to trust you with this because you are the one who's in control. I'm going to leave it before you. I'm going to lay it on the altar, just like Abraham did his son. I'm going to leave it there. This is God's way. As you said about doing the things that God gives you to do, there's almost always an obstacle, seems insurmountable. And as we give it to him, if God's in that purpose, he brings it back to life. He gives it back. It's a test. He's testing us. He's trying to see how much we trust him. Because this is something God wants to know about you and I. Who is going to be number one? Who is going to be at the center of our lives? And he uses these tests to do that. Abraham passes the test. And this is God's response in Genesis 22. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of of their enemies and through your offspring. All the nations of the world will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Because of Abram's obedience, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. We can learn from Abraham's example here how to move forward in faith when we lose sight of God's plan and his purpose. When we're, we're in that testing period, we can see what to do. First thing, remain faithful to God's direction and trust him to guide. Let's rewind and take a closer look at the test God gave Abraham. Genesis 22, when they reached the place God had told them about, God had told them to take Isaac and sacrifice him in a certain place on a certain mountain. Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar and on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God wants to know that we're not going to withhold anything from him. This was only a test. He was never going to sacrifice. God was never going to have him sacrifice his son. The boy was never going to die. Why did God need to know this about Abraham? Why was it so important that he knew that? This is extreme. Take the very child of the promise and sacrifice him. The reason is, Abram was to be the father of a nation. song I sang in Sunday school, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm going to spare you that, that uh, pain is what it would be. Um, but I sang that, didn't completely understand it. Now I get it. 
because Abraham was fathering a nation, but not, not, not a physical nation alone. He was fathering a nation of faith. He, he, God was trying to build a culture to reach through that culture to the world, and Abraham needed to show the ultimate kind of faith, so he gave him this test. He, he was leaving a legacy to follow. So now people of faith, people who put their trust in God through Jesus Christ, are children of Abraham. Since Abraham would be the one whom God built his people, he was tested. This is how God works. Genesis 22, 8 says, Abraham answered when, uh, when Isaac was walking with him to the altar. Isaac asked him where the lamb was for the sacrifice. Where, where's the lamb? Abraham answered, God will provide. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Specifically, Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, Hebrew for God, my provider. He will give us the lamb. This is an ultimate expression of faith. As he's walking to the altar to sacrifice his son, he puts his faith in God. Faith believes that God is in control and he will not rip us off. This is how it is with us. In spite of circumstances, adversity, the insurmountable obstacle to accomplishing what we sense God wants us to accomplish, if we're going to fulfill his purpose, we must trust him to provide whatever is needed to do his will and his work. And we must, we must die to whatever it is we want out of this situation and truly give it to God. God, here it is. You do what you want. You do your will. You're in control. So when we're losing sight of God's purpose and plan, we can hold on to these truths. Another thing is we need to remind ourselves of God's absolute faithfulness. Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father. Because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, he was almost dead, he was an old, old guy, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Whenever promises are made, we always consider who made the promise. Sometimes we think twice about trusting people and what they tell us based on their track record in the past or just people and their ability to come through. Abraham knew the one who had made the promise. He knew he was reliable and he considered him faithful. He did the math. (laughs) That's what this passage is saying. Sarah was barren. He was old. She was past childbearing years. He did the math. And in spite of how things looked and how everything added up, he trusted God. He put his faith in him. When he hit the wall of circumstances and started losing hope, he didn't wallow in worry. He didn't wallow in fret. How is this going to work out? He brought the right things to mind. He considered. He brought the things to mind that mattered. Lamentations 3.21 did the same thing. I've memorized this verse. really helps. But this I call to mind. Jeremiah, in the midst of horrible circumstances, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What we do with our minds in the midst of these circumstances is important. And Abraham considered God faithful. That's what God asked us to do. That's what Jeremiah did. He called to mind that God 
is merciful. His steadfast love and his faithfulness is always available. Every morning, great is his faithfulness. Since we have the advantage of hindsight, we can remember the mission that God has given us. So that's another thing we do. We remember the mission and purpose that God has given, given us. Galatians 3, 6 through 8. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. If we put our faith in God, we're Abraham's children. We are a part of his descendants. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. When we choose to follow Christ, we become a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Well beyond our neighborhood, our city, our state, and our country. Acts 1.8 gives Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the words apply to us as well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're starting our Christmas offering today. There's a, an envelope in the program that you can look at. It has the, the different places the offering's going this year. We, we'd like to ask you, one way that you have an opportunity to be involved in what God is doing and to the ends of the earth is by participating in this offering. So this is the first day of the offering, and I wanted to bring this up right here because it applies to what we're talking about, that God is trying to reach through us now that we're children of Abraham. He's trying to reach through us to the ends of the earth. And by giving to, to those who are working across the world, we have an opportunity to participate in that. So I'd like for just to ask you to take the time to pray through, to consider what God would have you to do uh, in giving to this offering over and above your regular tithe and offering. We ask for you to consider this. Um, we're giving to, to some different places this year. India, 50% of the Christmas offering is going to go to Andrea, a very fast-growing population there. Uh, some of it's going to go to Timshang and Wurtingla, Sharik uh, in Guwati, Assam, India. And they are doing some church planting, some missions, work out in the rural villages and trying to plant a church in a city where there hasn't been a church planted for 150 years. So they're, they're there. We're going to give 25% of that 50% to them, or half of the 50% to them. Oh, boy, this could get confusing. I'm going to stay away from the numbers, and you guys can figure it out. It's written down there. Uh, we're going to give a, a, another 25% of the overall offering to a work that's going on in Jammu in North India. A member of our church, Deb Lewis, is working there on a team. Uh, she's doing some uh, economic development and trying to bless the people there and help them come to know Christ. And there's a center that supports pastors and helps train them and equip them, and we're going to give uh, to that effort. We're going to give 20% of the overall offering to Central Asia, to the Pauls who are members of our church there, who are working in that part of the world, and then uh, another 20% to the L.A. region, Christian Challenge College Ministry, and then 10% to the World Missions offering that our denomination collects and pulls resources together to go through the world. So, the Christmas offering, I bring this up because this is the first day uh, of, of the offering. 
It's one way that you can get in on what God is doing around the world. Another way to stay focused on God's purpose and plan is to respond to him by doing what he wants you to do right now. The future unfolds as you respond in faith and obey him right now, in the moment. When we do what God is telling us to do in this moment, we shine like stars ourselves in the universe. We're going to look more at this next week. God adds purpose and meaning beyond ourselves to everyday life when we live it for him. Moms and dads, you're not just changing diapers, making sure the kids have food and clothing. You, you are investing in the next generation. You, you have an opportunity to raise up a generation to please God and further his purpose. And this is much bigger than your life. It goes beyond your lifetime. As, as you set yourself to hand off your faith to your kids, to introduce them to God, help them come to know him and grow up in him. God adds purpose by doing what he's asked you to do today. There's much, much more purpose than just what you're doing. When you go to work and you work for God, not just for the boss over you, according to your contract, but you work for God, you do your work as unto God, you set an example, you glorify God, you can draw people to himself, to him as they watch you work. At the work Christmas party, I don't know if you're going to go to one this year, but at the different Christmas parties, as you show interest in the people around you, as you take interest in them, genuine interest, you have an opportunity to to begin to build a bridge that will attract them to, to Jesus Christ. Since you bear the name of Christ as one of his followers, the way you relate in your neighborhood can attract others to consider who he is at your family get-togethers you can be different as you change as you begin to reflect more and more who Jesus is others will be drawn to him your friendships and your family relationships can be bridges that God uses to help others come to know him to want to know him and where they connect with him and move on through eternity with him as well Knowing God has included you in this enterprise that's much bigger than yourself, where you live for him, changes what you're doing right now. Because right now, as you set yourself to trust him and obey him in faith, he rewards your obedience with clarity and direction. John 14:21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love him and show myself to him. This is how you grow in your knowledge and understanding of the Lord. You do what he's telling you to do right now. You take that step of obedience and you do it. Tomorrow's direction and clarity hinges on today's obedience. Obedience grows out of faith, just like Abraham. He trusted God. He, he, he left his home. He wandered in the wilderness he was willing to sacrifice his son. He was willing because he trusted God. And it was his obedience in each moment that opened up the future for him. This is how it is with God. When you trust and obey, God opens up in the, the future for you in a way that's not possible on our own strength, with our own resources. If you refuse faith, 
um, then the, the future doesn't open up like it does if you choose it. Faith is the key to getting in on something much bigger than ourselves. Abraham was a great example of this. God uses the stars as a reminder. He wants them to remind us of who he is, and he wants them to be a reminder that we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves, something that goes way beyond our lives and our city and even our generation. It starts right where we are. Being a part of what God's doing in the world starts right here with us as we're faithful to connect and share him with the people around us. But it goes beyond our lives and our generation as well. I'd like to draw your attention to the connection card in your program. If you haven't had a chance to begin filling that out, I'd like for you to take the opportunity to fill that out right now, if you would. And I've suggested some next steps. And I'd like to ask the band if they would just come up right now and start getting ready as I walk through this. But uh, as you're looking that over, there are some next steps on the back of the connection card at the bottom of the listening guide. Think, think this through. As you think about what we've looked at in, in the Scripture this morning, what is God saying to you? What is he telling you to do? The next step could be to obey God right now in one specific way. You, you see what he wants you to do. You, you know what he wants you to do, and you're going to have to really trust him to do it. What is that? I'm, I'm willing to do that. That could be a step. Uh, another step, to give to something bigger than myself through the Christmas offering. You just plan to do that. Pray about it. Think through what God wants you to do beyond your regular tithes and offerings. And then, if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, you, you haven't yet given your entire life to him, trusted him with your life and yourself, and you're ready to do that, this could be the day you do that. For the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. We'd love to help you with that decision if you're ready to make it. And then there's uh, just some things you could attend that you could let us know about and if you want to help with the family Christmas service as well. But faith in God, putting your trust in him, opens things up in the future for us. In fact, our future hinges on today's decisions. It's unfolding as we decide to trust God and follow him. In a moment, we're going to take up the offering, and I'd like you to uh, complete any information that you haven't had a chance to or any next steps as, as we're getting ready to do that. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we're really glad you're here. We have a gift for you. It's called the Case for Christmas, it's a book. It's on the table to the left outside the double doors. And you can pick that up, and we hope that's helpful for you and that you really enjoy that. Would you pray with me before we continue in worship? God, we thank you for your goodness to us, your kindness. We, uh, we can trust you completely with our lives. We, we can really know that you'll come through. And help, help us, God, as we see what steps we need to take, the steps of faith. Help us, Father, to take those steps in a way that brings honor and glory to you so that we can, we can see the future unfold and fulfill your purpose for our lives. Help us to do this in your strength and with your help. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.